They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. podcast with your host Juan Ayala welcome to what is this supposed to be is this is like a live decode I don't want to take away from chances thing but I know you guys are doing that Marvel stuff right <laughs> I like I like the term de-occulting de-occulting right on like, I like that I like, like that, that Rachel I think that's a good one yeah it's better like than that. decoding I think so before we get into it, let's go ahead and plug our stuff. Uh, Rachel, you can go first if you have anything you want to share. I sure. always like to throw the beginning and at the end, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. Cool. Uh, I have um, a group on, I have a channel and a chat on Telegram where I just kind of post my own stuff. Uh, this week, I'm starting to do uh, like a reading hour. Because I often read on spiders on Wednesdays for the art flow. So I'll be doing my own Telegram exclusive reading hour if you guys feel like following that. We're starting with the Book of the Five Rings. So there's all that fun stuff. Got a little occult book club going on there? Yeah, I'm letting people pick what they want. I almost I threw out Sir Gowan and the Green Knight just in case anyone wanted to hear me really struggle. Because that's oh, some old English. <laughs> yeah, those are the worst. Is, didn't they make a show on that? The Green Knight, right? Or a movie or something like that on HBO? It's beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. So I dug it up just to compare. Because I know they made changes, but mm. it, it was a masterpiece, like, visually. Yeah, so. I'm going to have to check that out. I've never, I, I kind of heard it here and there, but you know what I mean. Gabe, you want to plug your stuff before we get started, bro? Sure, yeah. Uh, Slick Dissident on YouTube is my main jam. I also frequent the Interverse podcast uh, with Chance Garten, and I am also often over with the Weaving Spiders Wednesday and Saturdays for a regular late night get down and weave with the spiders. 
So those are my usual haunts. Right on, dude. Yeah, you can follow me on social media at the One One Podcast on all social media platforms, rockfin.com slash the One One Podcast, Telegram, all that good stuff. And so the people who were, uh, we had some people drop off. Uh, I know Ed, Eddie said that he was going to join later on. It was kind of his idea when he brought it up to me because he's like, oh, do you know, this is my favorite movie when I was growing up. Because we were talking about how we grew up indoctrinated and stuff. I brought up, you guys ever seen that show, Courage the Cowardly Dog? Yes. Yeah. Love that show. Super fucking creepy. Like super creepy. So when I, I was watching it the other day with my son and I'm like, man, we grew up on this. Like literally the first episode, it's like hotel room six, six, six and a half. And you bring this up to people and this is a kid show on Cartoon Network. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is, this was there and you bring it up to people and they're just like, oh, well, you know, it's just the, the people being, you know, they're bored and they're just putting symbolism in there. It's like, well, maybe, but I always tell people you got to pay attention to the symbolism when it comes to these movies, how we do with the transformers. Cause symbols are the same language of the soul. They neurolinguistically they, they program it, you know, subconsciously and they'll throw in these things. Some people will discredit it. Oh, it's just a bored artist. Okay. You can make that argument, but why so much of it? So Eddie brought this idea up like, oh, well, they talk about the Illuminati in this movie. And I go, what? I've played the games. I've watched some of the movies. So I'm like, okay, let's do a decode on it, I guess. And looking back at it, it was kind of corny. If you really like when watching back, it's like, oh, well, we're part of the Illuminati. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, kind of corny when you really put it that way. And then he's like, oh, it's just a, a fairy tale. You know, I, I watched I watched some of the last one, the 2018, which I'd seen before. And then I took some notes on the 2001, but I know you guys went like, or Gabe took a bunch of notes and did a bunch of things. So yeah, we can, <laughs> we can get into it. But I always tell people pay attention to the symbolism because it's there. If you want to ignore it, and I don't want to be like Isaac Weishaupt, who is like, Oh, Illuminati, everything. But dude, the more I look into this sort of stuff, the more I see just occult hidden meanings behind everything else. And it's, it's there. I mean, if you look, it's there, definitely. Yeah, 100%. And just to, like, riff a little bit on that stuff, um, you know, I, I did go to school for a little bit of time, you know, as an animator. Um, and just even from doing art. So, you know, if we think that people are hiding things in art, yes, 100%. Um, how intentional they are on it, is always up for debate because like you were saying, we were watching that stuff as kids. So some of this stuff is coming out just because that's what has been consumed. And they're like, oh, haha, this is funny. I'm going to throw that in there. And either they're just recklessly doing magic or they're doing it intentionally. So, and I've seen a bit of both. You know, I knew plenty of animators who were putting stuff in just to troll. They're weird. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's interesting, and I think this is a great topic because there's a lot of differences between the movies and the games, and anyone who's seen Hollywood do anything knows that they make changes. So those are always fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I think the changes are kind of where the most information is to be found. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, we'll, get, we'll kind of get into some of the angles and approaches, but, you know, we have the same framework. Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, that is shared, but it's uh, stewarded by different interest groups 
between the game, the first couple movies, and the third movie is like uh, much more true to the game. It seems like it came full circle back to its source there at the end. Uh, but there, are, I think different people are coming at it with different lenses, and the difference between those lenses is kind of fun to suss out, uh, which I'm hoping to bring some light to theoretically. Uh, just, here's, here's a disclaimer. Most of what I say is not an authoritative source whatsoever. A lot of this is, you know, just the fun of speculation, but it's fairly well-informed speculation. And, you know, uh, I think you guys will stop me if I go a, a bridge too far on any of this, but it's going to be fun. There's a lot to see and a lot to share. And Gabe, when you, when, look, cause I was having a conversation today with someone where, you know, that movie, I think it was with Jim Carrey, number 24, where he's like adding everything up, trying to find 24. Do you ever find yourself kind of reaching in order to connect some dots to make it justifiable? Because as a conspiracy theorist, I find myself sometimes doing that. But then I'll back up like I told Rachel when she's like, oh, you mentioned the astrology thing. I go, I've been saying that for a long time and never really dug into it. Cause, but it makes sense to me, again, because I was raised a Christian. So when they say, you know, be weary of false idols that need to be carried, we know that the Knights Templar were using, you know, astrology to invoke, or uh, not astrology, but the Knights Templar were doing, you know, occultic practices in order to have this, either the head of John the Baptist or whatever prophesized to them. So it's, it's there, that's history, uh, allegedly, right? Because that's what they were, that's what they admitted under torture. And that's a whole rabbit hole. But uh, you know, I, sometimes I say things without actually digging into it. It's like Michael, I was listening to Michael Hoffman, that Twilight language uh, interview where he was talking about how these conspiracy theorists, they just regurgitate a bunch of stuff. And I just, I kind of felt targeted because I was like, how much stuff am I regurgitating? Am I actually connecting dots that are there or are they imaginary? Or when we talk about this sort of thing, is it just like a, like a confirmation bias where it's like, oh, well, you know, we're just confirming it for our own selves. You know what I mean? Like, is it there? Is it not? But I, I 100% think it's there. And they use these things even on our children. You know, like all these movies, like we grew up watching this shit. Like, okay, this is this is it. You know what I mean? Like, this is here. And, you know, here we are. So what do you got for us, Gabe? Because I know you went really deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I one thing that I find really rewarding in that, you know, uh, making connections and, you know, gamatria and twilight language. Uh, one thing that uh, is, uh, is hard for people to make the mental adjustment, and that is that uh, you have to walk away from either or thinking, and you kind of have to embrace the concept of nested meanings and something, uh, it, it can mean more than one thing. And to, to give more meaning to an idea, as in to, you know, look at its gematrological uh, aspects, is not to take away from the foundational first meaning you had. It's just broadening the landscape of your perspective. And so many wonderful connections and links uh, and artistic interpretations can be garnered from that, uh, and it becomes an art form. And so Twilight Language is another one of those, you know. Uh, 
that is that is why my disclaimer is that I am not an, an authority on any of this, and this is all speculation. We're just kind of broadening our aperture and taking in uh, what is already right there in plain sight and putting it under different lenses and different lights to just kind of see if there's more under the surface to appreciate. Yeah, and Rachel mentioned, you know, art. And, I mean, we got to understand that alchemical art has been around for forever, right? And it's all symbolic. It's not literal. Like, you know, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like, oh, they're not going to tell you. It's like, well, the red lion means something, you know, and it's in an egg, and then there's a sword, and then there's a knight or whatever it is. They're not going to come out and say it. But, yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's important to really open your eyes to these sort of things and hashtag look into it. I mean, you have to know. And, I, and I've always said that the the magician's stage gets bigger and bigger the more resources that they have. So the more money, you know, we have these companies breaking even on these movies. You know, they're spending, have budget to $274 million for a movie and they just barely break even. It's like, what are you really doing it for if not for them? I mean, money's everything. I mean, that's... Not shallow to say, because, I mean, we know that it rules everything. So what's the point of doing these things for literally nothing? They're, for this, the last one, they broke even, dude. Like They didn't even make any money on it. So what were you able to dig up? Because I have here, right off the bat, the first one, you have where she's hanging upside down, right? You have Angelina Jolie, the original uh, Laura Croft. She's hanging upside down in the first movie. You come out of her eye and she's suspended upside down. So when I saw that, I said, that's obviously the inversion, right? You have the Gnostic mass, which is supposed to the, 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 the black Sabbath. It's like the inversion of a Eucharist. So we know that they invert these things, you know, as above, so below type of thing. And they, they take all the symbolism and they, they invert it. So that's that I caught that right off the bat, but am I seeing that because I'm looking at it from like an occultic lens or is it really there? And then obviously, you know, these people in Hollywood, they're not famous for no reason. I think that they're, you know what I mean? Like they're famous for, for that, you know, for a reason. And they understand like in the movie, they talk about the Illuminati not saying that they're not real. I'm sure there are secret societies still till this day that we know of and that we don't know of. Uh, but I yeah. mean, it goes, it goes way back. I mean, the founding fathers and all that, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's let's address this like a uh, like a scientific experiment. Let's pretend Rachel and I we're in the Illuminati, and I made the movie. Juan, you're the viewer. You watched the movie, but I was putting signals to Rachel, not to you. Mm. Okay. And now I'm going to tell Rachel. So Rachel, what tarot card is Laura Croft when she's hanging upside down? I know you know the answer. The hanged man. Right there. Boom. That was for, from me to Rachel. And now you're initiated, Juan. Welcome to the group. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. I like being initiated. So <laughs> what does is, what is the hangman signif uh, signify? Because I'm not big into, I'll be honest, I'm not big into tarot. I'm not big into astrology. But we know that the ancients were all about this because they understand. I mean, in the movie, they talk about planetary alignments. The ancients were obsessed with planetary alignments for talismanic magic and all these different things and invocations. What is the upside down the hangman card. Cause I mean, we've played hangman at school when we were kids. Yeah. It's so I study these things kind of, uh, just to understand them. That's really the only reason, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I have practiced a few, but to get it. So the hangman is about 
another perspective. Um, you can reference, I don't know, I, I mean, the easiest reference to make for, for me, because I haven't, you know, gone too deep on the original meanings, because that's just how I am. Um, I'm a brat. But uh, you can think of Odin hanging himself upside down as a sacrifice of himself to himself to get another perspective. So that's really what the hanged man is about. It's about being in a suspended state. It's like the ebb part of the ebb and flow. So, and what I was thinking about when you guys were, when you were talking um, is that, I mean, it's, it ties right in um, the changes that they make reveal their own understanding of the material that they're working with, but also expose what they're doing. Um, on a very practical level, because as people who play the game, I can't remember a single time hanging upside down in that game, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you're doing, you know, any sort of activity, when is that ever practical? When are you going to be doing that? So <laughs> even just on a very basic level, you're like, there's something here. And yes, it's, it's fun and it's artistic and that's somebody's artistic vision, you know, I mean, look at Spider-Man. So, you know, it's all those things too, but that's what we're talking about with the layers, the layers of meaning. So right, right from the get-go, they're setting you up for a new perspective on a story. Yeah, that's an awesome way to, it's an awesome way to bring it together. Yeah, uh, so uh, I, I've practiced uh, some mystical arts in my days. Uh, and um, in my particular tradition, uh, to be upside down, to be inverted, is just like you said, Juan. It is the, uh, the underworld. It is connecting with the elders, with the ancestors. Uh, it's going within in a major way. Um, so as we go forward with this, like we will probably be talking about multiple goddesses, multiple you know divine feminine aspects. Some of them will be lovely and graceful. And some of them will be ugly and less so. And that is not to say that one is good or one is evil. You know, I've actually, uh, I've sung praises to goddesses. I didn't even know I was singing pra praises to goddesses before, you know, and you get older and you find out what these things mean. And you're like, oh, that was for Hathor all along. I had no idea, you know, and it takes years to see the meaning of these rituals we participate in blindly. So uh, I'm not throwing shade on anybody's religious practices or observances, you know. Uh, but one thing that I do find a little triggering is when uh, symbols of castration start to come into play. And that stuff just kind of, it jumps out like a sore thumb because uh, I'm pretty well versed in understanding it. But uh, that's one of the religious observances that I'm just morbidly fascinated by. And it is definitely comes into the mix when you throw Angelina Jolie into the party. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, we'll just say, mythology and rumors of castration in her particular sect of Hollywood, shall we say. So that's definitely on the table. And that's one that I like to have fun with it, you know, but uh, I think, you know, some of these people take their religious stuff to a very extreme degree. And so maybe we'll shed a little light on some of that shady behavior as we go forward, but uh, more disclaimers for me. <laughs> there, there's a, 
a lecture by Manly P. Hall. I'm trying to remember the name. It's like the Illuminati, something or other, initiation, Masonic initiation or something. And right off the bat, he talks about how these individuals are obsessed with their beliefs, with whatever it is that they're trying to put forth. Like in the movie, you see it, right, where they're like obsessed with finding this relic. And I've, you know, I was again having a conversation today with somebody where I'm like, dude, you know, the more I look into this, how much when we think of magic, we think, well, me personally, I don't want to, I don't want to clump everybody together. When I think of magic, I think of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, Harry Potter, like magical, seeing things manifest. But we've gotten to the point in in the in the history of man, I believe, that we've been demystified to not be able to have that sort of effect on the real world. And I asked my friend today, I'm like, dude, like, what is it that these guys actually want? Do you actually tap into like another altered state of consciousness? And I've never practiced the occult because I was born and raised Pentecostal Christian. And I believe in Santeria, you know, I come from the Caribbean and they do all that shit there. But when I think of this kind of stuff, I'm like, do these people actually get powers? How they say in the movies, like this triangle will give you, you know, this otherworldly power. What, what do you say? You're going to be like God. It's, you know, when you take this, you're going to be like God. Is it subjective reality that these guys are thinking? Like if it's real to them, is it real in real? You know what I mean? Like, is it real in real life or do they, is it just role play? Is it LARPing, you know, live action role playing like Dungeons and Dragons where they believe that they're a wizard and they can, you know, do all these things. Cause that's always an aspect that I've thought about. Like, you know, the, all the mantra workings and the, yeah. the Babylon working, like, do these guys really truly believe that they were going to manifest something? Or even like Crowley said, I saw a lamb, you know, I saw him in my New York apartment, you know, he was right there through some portal. It's like, is this real shit or is it symbolic or are they having some sort of vision in their head? Cause I can come up with whatever I want in my head and say whatever it is, but, and you guys can never prove it. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd like to draw a lot of attention to the second hermetic principle of correspondence. And I think that is one of the most overlooked uh, and underappreciated aspects of the reality that we are all sharing. And uh, so correspondence is to say that, you know, um, if somebody writes it down, it is 80% more real than it was before they wrote it down. They've manifested it just by writing it down. And so uh, that is a large part of what, um, of what magic is. And so there are other aspects of correspondence, like the, you know, that chart of herbs uh, behind Rachel. You know, that, that is a, a graph of correspondences. And the learned eye could, uh, you know, look at that, graph and see uh, all kinds of di- divine influence uh, corresponding with each one of those plants behind Rachel there. Uh, so th- that's something that I th- think is a big aspect of magic and they're casting their intention into these signs and symbols. So does something actually happen or not, Gabe? <laughs> Do we see the lightning bolts coming out of their hands or not? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think that they see inevitable changes coming, like weather, like reading the weather, and they line up their ritual 
so that their desires are fulfilled by the inevitable event that is about to roll in. So it's all subtle energies. It's just lining up with what is naturally going to happen anyways and putting your ritualistic symbols in the place that you want the dominoes to fall in your favor. And that's why they... Go ahead, Rachel. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm inclined to agree um, because what they're doing... Um, I can reference the gene keys in a second, but because um, it's a shadow, but it's interference. It's causing psychic interference. So do we see what the rituals are doing? Yes, because it's keeping us from doing our own creation and participating with the cosmos in a very real way, in the same ways that they're doing. It's just keeping us distracted or redirecting um, or really just keeping things in the realm of belief or fantasy and turning it into disillusion instead of something that can be acted upon. You know, by showing things like, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, the Illuminati in the first one's a good one. I mean, here are these people who run the world and they're like, oh, it's this big, somebody else runs the world. And we all laugh at it and we're like, no, but really somebody else is running the world. It's not yeah. you. Yeah, no, but that's why I said it's like, it's corny. But they do that at the same time to be like, oh, ha, 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 look at us. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about this sort of thing. When in actuality, how you said, it's it's the ones that you that aren't on the Forbes 100s list that you need to worry about. The the people, you know, that own the banks, the, the people that that are yes. deeper than than, you know, the ones that you don't that you know the name, those are the those are the lower levels of management if you will. They're just here to, to they're just puppets. Right. And I do I 100% believe that they are people behind the scenes who understand how do I put this that know that there's otherworldly secrets if you will like i don't know how to put it because it's it's like mm-hmm. again it's very mystical it's like the whole you know my friend was like oh what you know who was abraxas it's like well we don't really know he's just some guy you know some force in the gnostic cosmology and he's just he just is he's like well he's not here well because again they had different belief you know within these organizations there's different smaller sects mm-hmm. of these organizations that believe that they have their own beliefs and I mean, we know that since the beginning, you know, I was on, a, I was telling Rich, I was on a podcast today. It's like, well, how far do the lies, how far back do the lies go? And I go, well, I think, I think it starts with the dinosaurs where we don't even know, you know, time itself is, is a lie really. Have you really come to look at it? I mean, it was, it's a construct that we don't want ever truly know. And in this movie, they're trying to control time. You know, she ends up controlling time and it's like time, chrono, Saturn, like all this all this stuff too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, one one good example just came to my mind was you know when they released Jaws. Every time they put out a Jaws, well, how many were there? Three, three Jaws movies. I believe so. Every time they put out a Jaws, there was a predictable outcome on the stock market, and if you put yourself in the right position, it just falls right into your lap and plays into your plan. And that predictable outcome was. People stopped going to the beach for that year. Wow. And so now you got all that beach front property and the market just took a dive and you put yourself in a position to swoop in and buy all the spots because you were backing Jaws. It was playing into your to your uh, to your agenda all along. 
and you know what year they're going to release Jaws again, so you put yourself in the position to do it again, and it gets cheaper on the third year, and it just turns into a, you know, a good old game of, uh, uh, it's a racket, you know, and it's, uh, the stock market is definitely where they reap the harvest of these uh, changes to the collective consciousness. There was four Jaws movies. You got Jaws, okay. Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, and then okay. Jaws The Revenge. And I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with another one here soon because yeah. uh, me and Rachel were talking before the the show where they don't let these things die. And maybe this is why they don't let them die. Like, hey, it was horrible the second time. You're going to do it three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven times? Like, look at the Star Wars franchise, bro. It's like they don't let it die, and then they get bought out by somebody else, and they have to squeeze the most juice out of it that they can uh-huh and these whole yep. times they're breaking even like you know what i mean like what well, makes no sense to me so i'm gonna i'm gonna put florida in the crosshairs here brother oh. uh yeah what's hey. up what's up Tarek eddie what's happening brother what is good what's good to see you, man better late than never right yeah yeah good to see y'all nice so we have here, uh, this is Rachel, Gabe, Gabe, Rachel. This is Esoteric Eddie, a local celebrity that we have here. So, <laughs> nice. nah, man. So, so we were, nice t- we're talking you. about that opening scene where she's hanging upside down from the rope, which I think was a, a part of the video game too, right, Rachel? Didn't she? have a part where she's hanging upside down. She's got to swing to the fire and set the rope on fire so she can get off of the rope. Oh, I don't, I think in the, in the third one, that was like almost mirrored exactly. But it's been a while since I've played them, but I don't, I think in the first one, it doesn't quite start out that way. Okay. Well, well, that's that, that corresponds with the hangman, which corresponds with Scorpio, the sign of Scorpio. And I hate to tell you this, Juan, but the entire state of Florida is just dangling out in the sign of Scorpio in my map of the territories. Really? Uh, And Florida is, plug your ears, Rachel, Florida (laughs) is the flaccid penis of the United States. Oh, dear. I really need to be covering my third eye because I don't want to. (laughs) Eddie's like, what like that when you're there, man? And he just like walked in at the perfect time. He's like, "Blasted yeah, dicks, what?" That's what we're talking about. Huh? That's that's, that's what, we're, what we're doing. Yep. And so she gets cut down from that rope. It's like a birthing ritual. She cut the umbilical. She comes down. She starts tussling with the robot at your medical industrial complex, and then she shoots down a obelisk. She shoots down an obelisk. That's a castration spell, right then and there. Right at, right at the gates, at the initiation. It's a big ritual right in front of our eyes. Word up. Hold up. I, I just want to add a couple questions for you guys just to see where, like, where we're at, guys and gals. Um, so where are we at? The Slick Dissident. And nice to meet you. You go by yeah. Slick? Uh, Slick? Yeah. Uh, my real name's Gabriel. Gabriel. And Rachel? Mm-hmm. Rachel? Rachel. All right. So, uh yeah, I mean, I, I watched the movie as a kid, you know, and then I watched rewatched it years later and then was like randomly blown away to find that the whole movie was about the Illuminati. And I was just like, what the hell? But uh, I haven't had time to, to really like 
take down any notes. I mean, this was like what, like a week ago when we put this together, the, the idea together, Juan. Yeah, I don't know. We were, I, I forgot what we were talking about. I think we were talking about the comic book that I'm working on, and then you brought up something about like these movies, and I was like, yeah, dude. I think I told you about the courage, the cowardly dog thing. I don't know. It was just something that yeah. came to mind. I was like, whatever. Let's let's talk yeah. about it. You know what I mean? Like this is, it's here, but it's like how you said you, you know when when listening to certain podcasts or like certain shows or something and I can relate back then, you know, I started podcast podcasting two and a half years ago before that, you know, uh, I was, I don't even know what I was doing. It feels like I wasn't awake. I wasn't, I wish I would have been paying attention more to these things. Like, you know, as a kid growing up, yeah. I was interested in Bigfoot and UFOs and all this, but it's like whatever happened before that, you know, if I would have focused my studies on these sort of things, I could have been way more well-versed than I am now. But Sometimes, you know, when you listen to something, it makes absolutely no sense to you. But then you come back, you know, sometime later, either you're more enlightened, more awakened, whatever. And it makes yeah. so much more sense. It's like, wait a minute, like what? You know what I mean? Like this is. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. My, I guess my question was like, I don't know if you, you already explained this, but like, where do we all sit with the movie? Like, did you notice before or like was this brought up to you because of this episode? And like, um, what do you think about it? Like. I guess slick. I mean, you're going deep in it already, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like it. But I guess where does everybody fit in that? In that, you know, feeling towards the movie. Like, did you already know about it, or are you just finding it out? And like, what are your thoughts? Is it ritual? Is it subliminal message? Is it predictive programming, or is it just, you know, uh, Hollywood trying to like, you know, do some cool things with with occultism? You first, Rachel. Uh, I took me remembering because I saw the movie and I played the games. Um, and then when you guys brought it up, when Gabriel brought it up, I was like, the Illuminati, I guess that is in the game. What the heck? Um, because to me, you know, having played the games and being such a big fan, I was like, that's definitely Hollywood. And that's definitely the Illuminati outing themselves using this movie, choosing to use this particular movie to do that. Because I mean, yeah, she could be hired to do you know, any excavation or look for a, an artifact by anybody and then find out, oh, they're crappy people. Maybe I don't want to do that. You know, that's, that's yeah. an element of the game for sure. So it's not too far off, I guess, in the realm of possibility that, you know, she could get a job and be like, oh, crap, it's these people. I don't, I don't want to support them. But yeah. it seemed a little, a little too obvious. Um, it was corny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I de I definitely see it all as programming. Uh, the, you know, the word "program" means written before. Uh, so, in in that aspect, you know, uh, I see that. Uh, I, I believe personally that the manipulators of the realm are uh, they are masters of fiction, and so uh, we are definitely. That is to say that they are the father of lies, maybe, you know, but this is yeah. all, all of this fiction, uh, it falls into the same category, uh, in my opinion, and it is through fiction that uh, they can have the, uh, the most freedom to express the most outlandish of ideas to us. We are the most exposed in the realm of fiction because we've agreed uh, that this will be uh, 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 for fun. This is just for the fun of it. 
we're not going to take this serious. And that gives them a lot of leeway to put a lot of truth in places where people don't take it very serious. So that's kind of what I think we're here to do is kind of pull out the, uh, the truth that is dressed up in bullshit sandwiches and suss out uh, what's good and what's, what's no good. Yeah. And, and Eddie, where we've had these episodes where we talk about like the esoteric knowledge and like the occult arts, like what do you do with that? And I brought up the, the, the idea where it's like, do these guys truly believe that they get otherworldly powers from doing these, you know, from putting these, from charging these movies? That's what they're doing. They're charging the movies up with the symbolism in order to do what? Like, do they think that they're going to be able to turn invisible? The darker shit that they do? Are they going to be able to actually control time? Are they going to be able to shoot lightning bolts out their hand? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point yeah. of it other than obviously how Gabe mentioned earlier before you hopped on where it's like it's messages between the two. Like they talk about the King James version of the Bible being a message to other Rosicrucians and how they were, you know, using this Bible, this book in order to, you know, we had a hidden code within that. And maybe it's part of the occultic practice where they need to put these things out there. And, you know, the movie Transformers or whatever movie nowadays that you really look at has some occult shit in it, some esoteric occult thing. If they're doing it to be edgy, I don't know. If they do it to be, you know, for another ulterior motive, you know, I've, I've, but I've been tackling that idea of like, you know, watching all these movies, you know, and this, in the first one, they talk about controlling time. You know, they're obsessed with, you know, the 5,000 yeah. years. We need to get this done right now. And how Rachel said, it's like, oh, how convenient that her dad was in the Illuminati. And the guy's like discrediting <laughs> the Illuminati. like, oh, it's just a fairy tale. It doesn't exists it's like well does it really but we do know that somebody's controlling this the world or the simulation or whatever you want to call it we know that the founding fathers were mystics and occultists like they founded something you know they put their intention into signing this document we don't know if they signed it with their blood who the fuck knows because i mean this is history but they created something from their ideas they literally manifested an entire country and there were the building blocks of to where we are today. And that's the freakiest part about it. Cause we're going based off what these, you know, the, the, not the ancients, but even the ancients, I mean, you know, the, the democracy that we have today goes back to Rome and Greece and all these different places. It's things that we use today, you know, in 2022, yeah. we're talking about it today in 2022. So I've been tackling the idea that these alchemists of back then, it wasn't literally, to live forever it wasn't like a potion that they could you know conjure the alchemist you know all these things i think they're living forever by implementing these ideas and living within us throughout all of history we're still talking about pythagoras he's got a theorem that they use in school you know Rene Descartes, the cartesian coordinate system anything that you do for 3d modeling for analytical geometry every kid in school is using this graph that came to some guy in some dream you know in the year 1400 or whatever 15 1600 whatever it was it's like come on man like you know what i mean like and i don't know if you guys have noticed but i was on a show the other day with somebody and they brought up the idea of how the founding fathers created a pantheon if you will right we have these little stories with every single president and it's almost like their own origin story like they're like their own little gods like they talked about how george washington had the teeth what, what was it cows or something like that or or mm -hmm. wooden teeth uh, you mm -hmm. know, he couldn't, he couldn't tell a lie, couldn't tell a lie, honest Abe, like all the, you know, it's a pantheon 
of these people. You know, they're coming together yeah. and they're manifesting. And I think the elixir of eternal life or whatever they call it, I think it's living in here for the rest of history. Like that's the mark that they left. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, you, you just hit on something that's going to be a theme later in the show. Uh, George Washington chopping down the cherry tree and being unable to lie about it. I believe that that is a metaphor uh, giving revelation to us uh, that they have to reveal what they're doing in order to be karmically absolved. Mm -hmm. And that is very much what the story of George Washington being unable to tell a lie is telling us because the cherry tree he chopped off, that's the Moorish bloodlines. That's the black nobility. That's the great reset of what the actual history of these bloodlines uh, dial back to. So him chopping a cherry tree is absolutely him cutting off his ties to Moorish nobility. Uh, so, and that will come into the into Laura Croft's adventure as she uh, is crashing through trees and uh, having branches, family branches break uh, under the weight of her efforts. So that's a running theme. And I mean that transliterally, a running theme. We have here, you guys see this yeah. comment? I actually heard today a new Tomb Raider game is in the works, of course. They don't let these things die. They just keep resurrecting them through some sort of necromancy, and, and they just keep bringing it back. It's like, what message well, are they going to send today? I can tie this into uh, Womb Raider. <laughs> because Womb Raider. <laughs> we have, we've got the female character. She can give birth infinite amount of times, right? <laughs> so oh, she's just going to keep birthing games and birthing games and birthing games. But, you know, to go back to a little bit of what you're saying, you know, this is very much about legacy and about what kind of legacy you're leaving. And what's a womb? What's a tomb? They are where your legacy comes from. You know, every time we uncover a mound, we find a time capsule. I think it's so interesting that growing up, everybody was thinking about time capsules. We're making a time capsule and we're burying one and maybe there's one under here. Like, ooh, secret time capsule. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's... As kids that's at school they're... doing this. Yeah, show. yeah. Every kid is like, ooh, let's yeah. make a time capsule. <laughs> yeah, super weird. Yeah, and when it comes to the Illuminati, I just dropped a documentary on that. Um, on the history, the actual history of like the actual Illuminati from Germany, just did a podcast last night about it. And it's fascinating stuff, you know, um, how it's been like dramatized or, or whatever, but it's actual history is just as fascinating. Not sure if we've touched on that yet before I got in here, but um, that's something that I can bring to bring to this conversation. Um, I didn't have time to look into the actual Tomb Raider stuff. I'm kind of looking at it now. I, I wanted to find out like who actually wrote that into the game you know who actually wrote that into the game or to the movie i want to find out who that person is the and lizards, why bro. they decided to do that <laughs> it's always the lizards man it's always the lizards <laughs> paramount was the first one to come out with the first movies and then somebody else took over uh, i think it was the warner brothers i had looked it up well, before the stream. was it in the video game rachel you said you used to play it uh yeah i used to play the games i remember when the first one came out um the illuminati thing yeah, was it in the video games? No, no, just. I mean, just if the it movie. was, it was probably like implied. But most of the people behind the curtain, like they had an actual villain, and mm. she was actually an alien, like an Atlantean alien. What so it fuck? wasn't, okay. you know, and maybe Atlantean that's who the Illuminati. Alien. 
think what they are. The fuck? <laughs> That's a whole nother thing right there. As right? I was saying, yeah, as I was saying in this podcast I did last night, it was like there's three Illuminati's. There's the actual Illuminati, you know, Adam Weishaupt and, and Bavaria. Uh, Bavaria. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the Illumin Illuminist ideology, which different, you know, politicians and political organizations have adopted. And then there's the pop culture Illuminati, which, you know, <laughs> anywhere from rappers to movie writers tend to like, you know, use. Like, for example, um, Freddie Gibbs, right, dropped an album with uh, The Alchemist last year, Alfredo, and he's got a line in there. It's like, I pray to Illuminati, you know, but it's I don't think he actually does. It's just Jay -Z, a cool right? thing. Fucking... Yeah, Jay-Z. So the pop culture Illuminati, I think a lot of that is just, a lot of it is just these people using it as like cool filler, you know, or cool art. But uh, as Slick is pointing out, you know, there might be some actual ritualistic stuff going on behind the scenes with the symbology. And I don't know if you guys are aware of the fuck. What was I gonna say? I completely forgot what I was gonna say. But um, nope. oh, the the games Assassin's Creed. Have you guys looked at yeah. you know YouTube the the cutscenes, dude, and the shit that they put in there? Like they're talking about George Washington being like this head of some crazy secret society. They're putting all this stuff in these Assassin's Creed, like all this stuff. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I remember playing also the this game. I don't know if you, uh, the Prince of Persia. You guys ever play that game? You know, since we're yeah. reminiscing. I've heard of it. <laughs> well, it's I like about controlling time and like yeah. breaking and bringing forth this thing from the the you know from uh, some occult force, some dark force. And let's not forget, right? Talking about the womb and rebirth and 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 bringing forth. Alistair Crowley was or Crowley or Cuckley, whatever you want to call him. He was obsessed. <laughs> with the egg right he wanted to find the egg it was all about the egg to him the egg the egg the egg you know finding the egg that also plays some sort of role into everything else too you know what i mean like we have all these ancient uh, civilizations that were birthed from an egg the guy that came forward with the big bang theory the catholic priest talked about how everything was in an egg at the very beginning of time wow that's great so if if e is the fifth letter then 5G spells E-G. Egg. E-G. Egg. Because 5 is Which, E, right, in Jamasha? And that's the thing, is like, as a lady, I can say, <laughs> having done, you know, <laughs> womb healing type of things and exploring that realm, um, you know, you, you do put out what your influences are. You know, there's a reason that people put headphones on their pregnant stomach and listen to certain music because that, that really does have an effect. So when we talk about, you know, programming and things, a lot more goes in than just your, just your physicality, your beliefs, your thoughts. I mean, there are kids being born who can pick up a tablet and probably understand how to use it faster than I can because that knowing is in the parents. So when they're putting out all this programming, it is also subsequently programming the next generations on an incredibly subtle level because memory is stored in the body. The DNA, yeah. 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 So, you know, things like 5G. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just thought of a good metaphor here of the egg and the three layers of the Illuminati. So the Illuminatist, the spirit of the Illuminatist mentality would be the yoke. The yellow, the center, the, the good stuff, 
Weishaupt would be the the whites in the middle layer, and pop culture would be the shell, be the outer layer, the facade that covers it all. The cosmic egg, yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's a nice there's a nice little weave there. But yeah, three layers is a is a reoccurring theme in many alchemical processes. That's mm-hmm. the salt, salt, the mercury, and the sulfur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a theme not only in the you know that triangle pyramid piece that breaks apart in the in the film, but also the father is obsessing over the Trinity. Mm-hmm. It's a that's a, a, a aspect of his notes in the third in the third uh, Tomb Raider. The uh, father is obsessing over the Trinity, which I myself in my mind just to jump way ahead of everything, jump the gun here, but I think he's talking about the triads. Mm-hmm. And I think what we have here is some signs and indications that all the bloodlines are working in parallel. They are quite cooperative. There is not as much animosity as there was when Aleister Crowley bridged the gap and came across from east to west and made the Ordo Templi Orientis, that is the dragon eating its own tail. That's going around the mm-hmm. earth and connecting from and uh, Royce. East and West. Royce, Western. one of the original guys of the OTO, was trying to bring forth and revive the Illuminati. That was hit, the, from the original Bavarian Illuminati because that ties into Parsons. But you had him, the guy who rolls Royce. The guy, like I forgot his first name, but Royce was the guy who was trying to bring forth and revive the Bavarian Illuminati. And again, uh, you know, ended up, he was a Rosa. I, I, I believe he was in some brotherhood of light. He was a Mason. And then obviously the OTO is what it is today. And then we have Crowley, you know, the infamous Crowley. And yeah, it's, it's wild that they were able to, right. You have the triangle there, right. You have the, the, they kept bringing up the key, the relic, the triangle. And then you have, the they only had two halves of a triangle where mm-hmm. Pythagoras broke everything down into triads because he said if you can solve one piece of the triangle, you're already one third of the way done with the problem, whatever problem it, it, it was. You have the tetractus again, the triangle which signifies the four elements, signify you know, you have the monad, the duad, the triad, and it signifies pretty much the universe, like the cosmos, the logos as a collective. And isn't the Rolls-Royce logo a triangle? Yeah, I think so, right? The Rolls-Royce, it's a triangle, I'm pretty sure. Damn, dude. Just everywhere, huh? Well, that's the, <laughs> that, and, that, and that's the problem, too, where... You, you know what's wild, too, though? Uh, what I found is the actual Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati, never used the eye and the triangle as their symbol. <laughs> I remember that from your from your breakdown. That was helpful. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, they actually never used that. That symbol was actually primarily a christian symbol during the renaissance that represented god and then it was adopted by the freemasons as the eye of providence Mm -hmm. and um, because the illuminati infiltrated freemasonry um later on it was just kind of like coupled with them and they got branded with that but actually the illuminati originally named themselves the order of uh, perfectibility um, so they're nice. original. They used to call themselves the Perfectibilist, and then a few yeah. year, a few years later, after that, they changed it over to the the Order of the Illuminati, and their original symbol was the Owl of Minerva. 
That's why I got that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's why it's, it's why all these things kind of just get like, you know, lumped together and, yes. and but, become generic. But, uh, what you're, I mean, what, it makes what, for great art. Yeah. And what you're doing is, is bringing the, isn't it called provenance is like the paperwork for art and its history of where it came from and where it's been. Really? Well, maybe I haven't heard of it. And no. so what you're doing is you're, you're providing the provenance of the triangle. You're like, nah, it wasn't there originally. It came in here <laughs> in the timeline. That's great. Yeah. And that's, that's really important too. Cause a lot of these, these symbols, they get consolidated mm -hmm. and condensed and compacted and broad brushed through history. So it's just really nice when you can do that and say, no, it wasn't there before these guys. It came out after these guys in this time in, in history, the provenance of the, uh, of the trivia. Yeah, man, I think it's important to really look at things specifically because if we're going to, you know, live our lives truthfully and maturely, we have to know what we're up against and we have to know, you know, what it is we're, we're talking about, you know, because as a kid, when I, when, I, when I got into the Illuminati, you know, I thought it was everything and it was everywhere. But now I know that um, Adam Weishaupt actually failed in his endeavor pretty pathetically, but his ideology is what, what uh, continued. Mm -hmm. And um, there are actually are two primary sources from, from his actual time period that wrote about him and what he was doing. And one of those was John Robison in a book titled Proofs of a Conspiracy. And another one by Abbe Barul titled um, The History of Jacobinism. And these two dudes were freaking out. They were both scholars and they were freaking out about what Weishaupt was trying to do. And they wrote these books and were trying to wake mm -hmm. the people up. Uh, so much so that um, a reverend by the name of G.W. Snyder sent a letter to George Washington, which you can still read today um, on the uh, Library of Congress's website. And, and Washington actually responded to him. You can see his writing. He says, I have not heard about this Illuminati, but, you know, thank you for sending me the book. And basically shrugs it off as saying he's not concerned about what they're doing, which I thought was pretty wild. You can still see that letter, that response from Washington to this day. Yeah, and I also wanted to bring up, right, in the, the first movie, at least, the they were obsessed with the, you know, the key, which we know... Crowley talked about the key. We have H.P. Lovecraft talking about the key and, you know, unlocking a gate. We have H.P. Lovecraft talking about the silver key and the silver gate. We have the symbolism of the gate everywhere, all through, you know, in Anakian magic, you have the gates that, you know, control the aethers or whatever it is that they called it and all the entities that were in there. So I found that interesting as well. And again, H.P. Lovecraft, H.P., you know, you have these guys that were talking mm -hmm. about keys and gates. And you could arguably say that's, again, symbolic for the phallus and the, you know, the the woman part where it's unlocking. Right. You have the the, the eye of Horus or whatever you have on the on the I believe it was at the, the eye of Providence on top of the the relic that she had that came out of the clock. Again, Father Time. Saturn, Kronos, uh, I think it was the Eye of Providence that was on there, and they were all looking at it like, oh, this is so crazy. But, again, I, these guys, they, oh, and one of my favorite things was when they were getting to the temple, into the belly of the beast, and the other guy goes, and out the ass of the, uh, out the demon's ass. So, <laughs> you're talking about transversing the abyss. You know, you have Parsons taking the oath of the abyss. 
You have all these magical retirements where they have to, you know, Nietzsche, the, the tightrope walker where he's over the abyss. And if you look into the abyss long enough, the it's abyss will look back. back. Yeah. So I don't know, man. So Damn, this movie is like way deeper than we thought, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? So, right. I, I got a couple of visuals I'd love to share. Yeah. Uh, in, we, we don't necessarily have to be chronological. We can kind of, you know, just specify if we're talking game or movie one, two, or three. But uh, so one thing that I knew before going into this is I knew that we were dealing with uh, Diana, uh, Artemis, the, the, the huntress, mm -hmm. the bow huntress. Uh, she's also called the, the chaste hunter. Chaste meaning all of the meanings. She was the fox, chase. too. She was chaste. There's the mm -hmm. fox, which, yep. And so this is very dangerous territory, and this is where things are not so much fun in games uh, because it is a known fact that the uh, president of this United States named his sons Bo and Hunter. And so the DuPont family... Oh, shit has been worshiping the bow hunter and the most dangerous game for generations going way back. And the term fox hunting, that's cover language for hunting human beings, the most dangerous game. And they've been at it for a very long time. There is a lot to say, and I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but, uh, uh, Michael Wan has put, made connected some dots in Joe Biden's lifetime that places where he goes, there have been school shootings in places where Joe Biden goes. And a couple years later, he comes back to that town and there are students missing. There's a, a missing student mm -hmm. from that town. And I'm, I don't want to show any receipts. Everybody should go check out Michael Wan. He's very strategic about what he's saying. Mm -hmm. But the Biden family, the DuPonts, you know, they're, they're uh, many generations of uh, gunpowder manufacturing. And they're, you know, in the weapons, weapons dealers, straight up. You know, there's no hiding it. So they are probably the top dog of worshiping the hunt uh, for many, many, many years. So this, at that point, we kind of step away from all fun and games, and this is just movies. It's fucked and up. We, and we need to realize that these uh, people are venerating deities way above our pay grade. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to be really respectful and really strategic because we are stepping on the deities of very influential people. Uh, and so with that being said, that's kind of a, just laying some groundwork and some parameters that we might be a little obtuse and dance around some subjects because nobody wants to get freaking Arkansas-ed. Yeah, when you get too close <laughs> to the truth, bro, you know, FBI, open up! they come a-knocking. <laughs> <laughs> but, that you know, you mentioned gunpowder, right? We have Vulcan, right? We have Ooh. fire. And then remember that Angelina Jolie did Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We have Agent Smith symbolism in there because of the Vulcan symbolism. We have Vulcanelli or Vulcanelli, however, you know, Romans obsessed with that. But that just you start to connect these dots and you have the Hunger Games. What is all that about hunting each other? You have Fortnite. It's a battle royale. They, they put these symbols in all these games, movies, how you said to make it seem like 
fun and games when in actuality, and you got to remember as well that uh, Bo Biden's son, he's the he's the dead one, right? I mean, we know that these people do human sacrifices. I'm not saying that's the the what happened, but that's also a correlation that we know that these occultic circles do, right? They're obsessed with you know giving up the offering, tossing people into the volcano, if you will, to appease that god. Go ahead, Rachel. So to tie that in, to add another layer to this, um, it's also in the twin flame narrative. There is a runner and a chaser. And they flip-flop. Sometimes you're the runner, sometimes you're the chaser. But there's always a runner and there's always a chaser. Do they ever catch each other? I don't know. I don't know if they do. I think that's a dangling carrot thing. Um, But they definitely throw that in to the second film. I mean, through the first and the second film, you see... Lara Croft, because it's really Angelina Jolie. It's, these movies are about her. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you see different relationships with the masculine. And, mm-hmm. you know, either it's a bond situation, reverse, you know, and he's just something pretty that she uses or, you know, whatever. Um, by the time you get to the second movie, it's a love interest. And what does she do? She kills him. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, like there's there's this other layer of programming with the hunt too. It's it's taking um, the fun of pursuit in love and affection and turning it into something very grave um, and something that's not fun. I want to add something that I don't know if I should add or not, but it came across in my in my research of Parsons. Okay, and it's gonna sound fucked up because it is fucked up, but. If we notice, right, I brought up the aspect of her turning her daughter into a boy. Now, she's adopted a bunch of kids, okay? A bunch of different ethnicities and a bunch of different... uh, Yeah, Yeah. Jolie, yes. All these kids. Now, stick with me here because this is fucked. We know that Marjorie Cameron, right, because we're talking about birthing. We're talking about bringing forth this divine energy. the divine feminine energy, if you will, forward into the world. That's what the Babylon working was all about. Marjorie Cameron, she had an interracial sex magic cult where they were having sex with each other called the children. And they were trying to bring forth an interracial moon child. Cause we're talking about, uh, you know, transmuting fiction into reality. How you said, it's not about Laura Croft. It's about Angelina Jolie you know, and her, perhaps her initiation, if you will, you know what I mean? Like we have the whole Will Smith and Chris Rock thing, all these things that happen on live TV with people's energies being focused there. But I relate that to that because uh, Marjorie Cameron, which was Jack Parsons' second wife, she was trying to bring forth the moon child that Crowley wrote about in his books. But it was books of fiction that arguably could have been a real story, how Laura Croft is a fictional character and it could have been based, not saying that she was, you know, an archaeologist, but you have Indiana Jones as well. You have the same template, right? But now it's the man doing all the going around these tombs and looking for the skull, the crystal skulls and all this crazy shit. So I don't know. I just felt like throwing that in there in there. Cause I, I you know, I was connecting. I was I'm like, you know, my wife was like, yeah, they're just a bunch of fucking weirdos. And I go, why would you, you know what I mean? Not saying that's what they're doing, but I mean, that's what the whole QAnon thing is about, about, Children, unfortunately, and using them for yeah. certain things. That it's fucked, but I mean that's that's the 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 
you know what it is. Hopefully the FBI doesn't come knocking. I love my life. I would never kill myself. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> right. I see. I see. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting to, to view like movies as being these actresses or actors like initiation into the occult systems, you know, instead, instead of doing it like behind closed doors or whatever, they're doing it through these movies and to also kind of like capture their soul right? That, like that age old idea of selling their soul. I mean, putting themselves through that, that ritual in the movie form kind of binds them to that contractly because mm-hmm. now that, that ritual is forever ingrained mm-hmm. in that movie. Well, yeah. you got to keep Just in mind of- also, Eddie, that the Gnostic mass that the OTO does, it's a public thing. You can go to, you can Google right now an OTO temple near you and you can go observe one of these Gnostic masses. So there's that aspect of, hey, anybody can watch in on us. Now, if you want to be initiated into the higher ranks, that's when you have to come back after putting your time in. And that's what happens behind closed doors. You know, what yeah. I mean, only the initiates, only the ones that have been here for a long time are able to participate in the shit that happens behind closed doors. And we got to understand that the reason that we talk about, you know, these these fucked up practices because there's fucked up, right? The shock of breaking taboos. So it's all about breaking taboos. The shock of that when they present to you, that's supposed to decondition you from your normal lifestyle. So, you know, when they when they say, hey, you know, you got to turn around, bro. Like, wait, what? That shock, that initial shock, it's like, wait a minute, what are you trying to do? Well, you know what I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's the way it is. I mean, and you have rappers talking about this shit. You have celebrities yeah. talking about this stuff. Those who openly talk about it, you have Jim Carrey trying to expose the Illuminati, right? What happened to him? You don't see him anymore. You don't. Right. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, what what happens to their career after these, these rituals that we call movies or films uh, is very telling. Uh, and for example, Angelina Jolie, she's sitting at the table with the United Nations right now, you know, divvying up. Mm-hmm. Who gets to adopt kids from what country? She's uh, sitting on conservatorship of hunting territories. She controls who can hunt where. Did really? we not just get done t- talking about the fox hunt is the most dangerous game? And know? they said it. And, and that scene, you go, oh, we need to convince somebody who's stupid enough to be the fox. Who's going to, and then she, she's like, oh, well, how much money? Well, you're going to get paid this much. I'll do it. So again, take the actress and be like, okay, what's in it for me? Cause yes. bro, Eddie, we talked about how in all these yeah. movies, they cut even in the, in the budget, the second movie, the third movie, they cut even. So if you're not doing it for the money, then what the fuck are you doing it for? Laundry. You know what I mean? It Laundering could be- money. Yeah, man. Yeah. That could be going on too. Huh? We have this comment here too. I've been playing the uncharted games, very similar to Tomb Raider. Basically you're hunted the whole game for finding forbidden knowledge. That seems to be in a reoccurring theme in HP Lovecraft. When you learn that knowledge, you go insane. We have to remember that all of Crowley's wives went insane. Again, was he putting mm-hmm. up their energies and their minds for this? Marjorie Cameron mm-hmm. went insane. You know, after all these times of astral projectors, people have to understand when you expose yourself to this shit, there's a veil that you have, you know, your aura, there's a veil. When you start piercing that veil enough times, that's just going to blow wide open and you expose yourself again to a lot of different entities, if you will. And it sounds fucked up, but I mean, that's just, that's why I tell people, you know, I don't fuck with the occult. I, I look into it to, to understand it and be able to look at it from a different lens. 
but as far as dabbling in it, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you might be very conscious about what you're dabbling in mm -hmm. because so much of the stuff that they <laughs> I might sound like a broken record in certain circles, but so much of the stuff that they're putting out is a conglomeration. It's mm -hmm. a recreation of things that don't exist anymore. Or, you know, it is very ancient. And because it isn't part of your bloodline, you don't know it. You mm -hmm. don't know anything about what you're getting into. So you have people, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So, you know, if you're going to get into it, at least you know, hone your intuition and really tap into who you are because, I mean, that's how you get lost. <laughs> lost in the sauce. You wanted to pull something up, yeah. Gabe? Yeah, I do. But I love what Rachel just said. I think of that as like our spiritual immunity. Some people are spiritually immune to certain triggers. So that one's not going to get you. But they got something for you coming in the next scene that's mm -hmm. more, you know, speaking to your ancestors, to your DNA, to your programming. But yeah, uh, yeah, I got a few, quite a few things I want to bring up. I probably won't get to all of them, but I think you guys will dig some of this. Let me see if. Uh, while while you, you're going to share your screen, Gabe? I'm going to try to. I wanted to add on to, there you go. I wanted to add on to what Rachel was saying earlier about the programming. And we know that fears are passed down genetically. And have you guys ever heard of the, the, flea, the flea experiment where you if you put a bunch of fleas in a jar and you seal it? The fleas will try to jump out initially. And if you leave them there for 24 hours, when you come back the next day, you take oh. the top off. And the fleas are programmed and their offspring is programmed to know not to be able to jump past that firmament, if you will. And this is a real wow. thing. You can you can Google, you can YouTube it. And they will they are programmed literally for the rest of that lineage, for the rest of that line, genetically speaking. They will wow. not be able to jump out of that jar no matter what they do. And those fleas, again, take that symbolically for people. Take that symbolically for, for whatever it is. Somebody's got to start a jumping flea podcast. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. The flea so, circus. So this is the, I am the jumping flea. So this is the initiation of so many movies. I mean, we all recognize this trademark, right? Mm-hmm. Metro Goldwyn Mayer. This is their lion, the lion of initiation, guarding the gates at the beginning of the movie. Uh, we could go into that. That's some Knights Templar stuff. But uh, essentially, I did a, a, you know, I translated the Ars Gratia Artis, and it means art for art. That doesn't really mean very much to me. That's kind of that's a little too benign. I think there's something lost in translation. And so I just threw an extra I. I, I put a third I in the word ours. <laughs> One letter change, and it completely alters the definition, mm -hmm. the translation of that phrase. Wow. Alters for the sake of art. There you go. And that what? has so much more meaning. And it is no mistake that it took a third I to see the words being spoken in between the lines. Wow. Holy Man, shit. That's, that's fucking That's crazy, real investigation. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of uh, the Dadaist art movement. And that was their whole thing. Yes. Art for the sake of art. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't sure. have to mean anything. We're just... Right. And I think, you know, stuff like this is definitely right in the coattails. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't fucking... mean anything. 
What do you have at the bottom there, Gabe? Do you have is that like a like a clown head or like a uh, lucha libre mask at the very bottom there? What the hell is oh, that yeah. about? You know, I think that's a theatrical mask. I think it's described in the in the written description. I think they say that that's a theatrical mask. But you're right; it looks like a luchador's mask. Because they that's play like some BDSM stuff, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, a gimp mask. Good call. Good call. And that'll alter you. That'll alter you real quick. That's amazing, Gabe. So, so this next one, we mentioned Vulcanelia. This is our girl, Laura. Uh, Can you uh, zoom Angelina. in a little bit, Gabe? You know how yeah, to do yeah. it? A control. There you go. Yeah. This is Angelina Jolie getting a big raise from Condoleezza Rice, where she moves to the table. She's part of that Le Cercle, the round table of benefactors. And uh, now she's part of the World Refugee Fund. Um, so I just had to point out that August 27th, that's absolutely Vulcanalia. Hephaestus is also Vulcan, the god of the forge, the god of the smith, like you said, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm -hmm. And it is Vulcan, a.k.a. Hephaestus, who created Pandora. He gave... He gave uh, Pandora all of her attributes, including the gift from Mercury was uh, a female dog in heat was one of Pandora's many charming features. Um, so I think of Angelina as uh, embodying Pandora in many ways in the Laura Croft Tomb Raider series. Wow. I just think it's very amazing that one of her... Uh, this is off of Wikipedia, who I call We Keep Idea. It's off of the Wikipedia page. And I find it very telling that she's right next to Condoleezza Rice here, who is part of the Military Industrial Complex, MIC. And the key of their modus operandi is usury. This is the Mickey Mouse Club. And they are way into using people uh, to their means. Through MK Ultra, MKU. I brought up the idea today to somebody about how uh, Walt Disney was, you know, dabbling in the occult or at least part of those circles. And he said no, but I want to disagree with that. I think that he's probably one of the biggest occult. I mean, look at, you know, we mentioned earlier the elixir of eternal life, right? The alchemist is looking for the philosopher's stone at, at the very end you know, of the, of the, the series, the show full metal alchemist, you know, towards the ending, they end up finding out what the philosopher's stone consists of. It turns out it's human lives. You know, the alchemist says that we are the philosopher's stone. We are the ones that manifest and create our own realities. Now I think that elixir of life, cause Eddie was talking about how these people live on, you know, regardless, but it starts with an idea with a monad, right? An idea they say the monad is an idea from God, a thought from God, consciousness, right? And I think that their elixir to eternal life is living within our heads for all of mm. life. I mean, look at Walt Disney. He's going to be, they're not ever dying. You know, that, that company's never going to, you know, uh, McDonald's, they're not ever going to go out of business. Burger King, they're not, you know what I mean? Like all these companies that will forever, they're all lizards, you know, and they're, they're all lizards and they're there to literally... They work in conjunction. You have the military industrial complex. You have big pharma. You know, you have McDonald's, Burger King, talk about all these people pumping you full of shit so you can get sick. So you can go over to the big pharma and then 
they'll prescribe you some more, uh, you know, chemicals to to be able to, again, it's an Ouroboros, the snake eating its own tail, or is the snake throwing up itself? I, who the fuck knows? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> amazing. Damn, yeah, that, that, was, that was really good. So yeah. I, yeah. I got yeah. a few more visuals to kind of confirm this Diana thing. Uh, we know what happened to her, right? Oh, yeah, man. No, Rachel, what happened to <laughs> Diana? I forget. Diana? Which one? The yeah. princess? Does she got an ending? The goddess Diana? Is there a... Oh. There's oh, a goddess? Princess, princess Diana. Diana. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. What are you saying? Sorry, goddess? my brain went there. What are you talking about, goddess? Okay, because we That's know that she was outed because she wasn't... She didn't have that lizard blood in her. So... Right. Yeah. Bloodlines. She was nice. trying to expose the family, right? Right. Her and her boyfriend, right? She had like a boyfriend and they were both like rebellious and they, they killed them both, didn't they? I, yes. Probably, but yeah. I want to hear about yeah, this. Yeah, she goddess. had a boyfriend, dude. Well, that's a great that's a great point. Oh Diana, gosh, she had to be coming apart, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Illuminati, bro. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> yeah, they don't want you to hear shit, bro. <laughs> like, exactly. Listen. Oh, so, the spiritual, I'll take that shit up. <laughs> So, so Diana had to be removed from the family tree. Mm-hmm. And that's that's totally a theme here. The enmity between the seeds, uh, I think it goes back, I think it's biblical. It's got to do with that RH factor in the bloodlines. Um, but that, that's interesting that Diana was removed uh, from the family tree. And I think there's a lot of sim, uh, symbolic uh, parallel in the movie. Um, let's see. So... Well, in the game, she's an orphan, isn't she? Well, I mean, she's always been an orphan. It's only in recent years that they've started to like dig deeper and go backwards and investigate her parents. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's always that Which missing always father figure. The missing yeah. father figure, H.P. Lovecraft, Jack Parsons' dad were both absent. I mean, you have that. Crowley's dad, dude. Crowley's yeah. dad, yeah, all these guys. Eliphas Levy's dad. Mom. Yes. Her mom is gone. That's in, in all the fairy tales. The Weisop's dad, dude. Weisop's yes. dad, dad, when he was three. You know, you know what I think that is, guys. I think that maybe there's a a, a real good argument to be made that that makes them graftable. Mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. that you can plug them into whatever fictional family lineage of access to the to the secret schools that you want to. It makes them more malleable as a fictional character if they Yo. don't. Have Provable roots. And I just came to my mind. Do you think that maybe that's why, like in all the Disney movies, they always kill off the mom is to like mm-hmm. create that trauma in the kid's mind and separate them, yes. you know, mentally and kind of like be able to sneak that in. Yes. And then you know, kind of create a, yeah, because it's trauma, right? It's trauma that creates uh, dissociative identity disorder, right? Which creates yep. these MK Ultra uh, agents or robots or, you know, yeah. subjects. Well, it goes deeper into, um, sorry. Um, into conquering into you know the motherland so even in like Grimm's fairy tales you have parents that are gone and that's definitely a metaphor for homelands that homeland is dead it's gone and Mm -hmm. where are you without it you know what do you do in your future without your roots yeah so uh, these are some uh, you know some Laura Craft images Laura Croft images from the game and from the movie, uh, you can see she is the bow huntress, uh, and you can see her with her dogs here, where she 
mm. uh, goes dog sledding. These are all symbols of Diana. Diana is often depicted with her hunting dogs at her feet and her bow, which many people correspond with the moon. So, uh, you know, a waxing or a wanning moon is generally a bow shape. Um, so in that aspect, she's, I mean, help me out here, Rachel. She seems less of a crone, less of a, um, the, what's the youngest one? She's like the, the middle age. Yeah. Um, so somebody recently, I believe it was Jenny Rivers, brought up a fourth, which makes oh. sense when you actually track the moon. There are many more phases. Uh -huh. And the fourth is the wild woman archetype. Okay. So, you know, mm -hmm. she's not, she's a woman. It's like Virgo, uh, living in your power as a sovereign being, um, but also very connected with the land um, and your intuition and your instincts. Yeah. And one, one thing about this theory, if she is Diana, uh, Diana is abstinent. She's, you know, she's the, she is kind of both the hunter but she's also the protector, uh, the protector of the of the earth and the elements, um, the universe uh, too. Because he says we're gonna are we gonna save the universe again in the movie? You know what I mean? Like this, I I, I don't need a man. You know what I mean? Like I don't need no right. man. <laughs> right. It's so she's she is often playing like a like Rachel said earlier. She's in both roles. She's being chased when she's you know puts on the foxtail and they're running after her. Uh, but then eventually, you know, she always makes that comeuppance uh, and ma makes a comeback at the end. So uh, this is an old Diana comic book that I found. Can you guys see that pretty well? Zoom in. Yeah. Uh, Diana the Huntress. And she's apparently she can fly. You see her bow. She's got the bow and arrow. You see that in the movie, too, where she's doing all the weird flips with her in her house or something with the strings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I have, I have come to believe, as I do this research, and as I'm looking into Diana and her signs and her symbols, uh, I'm gaining a lot more, like, intimate appreciation for her uh, in a kind of a, a, a fun way. Like, these are some scenes from the comic book. You know, she's, like, riding in a chariot here in that Jeep. Some dude is driving, but she's, but she's got her, you know... She's riding shotgun with her bow out. Well, that actually takes place in the film. What? Uh... Where she parachutes, <laughs> she parachutes in and she lands in the back of a Jeep. This is one-to-one -one correspondence. And now something that is really important, this is what has been catching my eye and I'm seeing kind of a fun pattern. See how she has uh, the parachute behind her? Yeah. You see how she has a cape on behind her? Mm-hmm. Do you see how she has these clouds yeah. behind her? That is going to come into play here in just a second. I think there is so much consistency to the symbols here that uh, I think I've had kind of a unique breakthrough that I'm hoping to get to share. Uh, let's see what my next one is. So here she is again. These are classical pictures, classical renditions of uh, Diana. Uh, in this one, she's in a chariot. And you see she's got this draped cloth, same color, bluish gray behind her. You see it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Now, what I've learned is, Rachel, you're going to dig this. I think this wheel is the wheel of Hecate. Mm. And I think what we have in this symbol is some provenance of uh, two aspects of the goddess being put together in this, uh, in this classical art. So I think we have Diana here with her uh, traditional drapery, this, uh, uh, you could call this her garland. Uh, I'm starting to think it's a plume of smoke. I think this blue uh, parachute trailing behind her, I'm starting to think it's symbolic of smoke and I'll get to that in a second. But the wheel is definitely Hecate. Uh, which is just interesting. So we have a Diana-Hecate overlap in this image. Can you explain um, who uh, Hecate is, Hecate, that and maybe, the symbolism behind that? Uh, I'll let Rachel do it. She might be better at it than me. <laughs> I don't work with her. Um, but she is the fates, um, crossroads kind of goddess. She's Greek. Nice. So in that image, um, I do see, and it's funny because when you were saying that, I thought of one of the games which was Angel of Darkness. So you do have this interplay between the light side of the feminine and the dark side of the feminine. And the dark, you know, isn't necessarily always evil. It is the abyss. It's the earth. It's the thing that everything comes from. So having that be a wheel um, is actually very supportive. It, it appears to be a foundation, you know, so you can still act in light. You can still be a light and you can still do light things as long as you have a secure, firm foundation. And I wanted to add something, something I'm noticing a pattern, right? We, uh, me and Gabe covered the Transformers uh, franchise. That was a great episode, episode 80. Check that out. We went deep on the occultic symbolism behind the Transformers. Now, in that movie, the Transformers, they replaced Megan Fox with a new girl. In the Tomb Raider, they replace her with somebody new for the third one. Now, I'm starting to see the pattern of maybe they don't find her as fertile, if you will. Uh, you know, she doesn't have the appeal that she used to have when she was younger, the sex appeal, because we know sex sells. I mean, that's the, the whole thing behind this. We know that these guys practice sex magic. That's what they're all about. Unless you're doing the solo right, which, use your imagination, the solo right. You know what I mean? Um, the, you know, maybe that's also... Or left. If you're left-handed. <laughs> yeah. Adult humor, adult humor. We see this, right? We see this where they replace the girl, the woman, for a newer, fresher face in the new franchise. So, again, does that have to do with fertility? Again, womb raider, tomb raider. Uh -huh. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It sounds mm -hmm. fucked up, but, I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh-oh, we got Yo, Jamatra. quick, <laughs> I wanted to jump in with Hecate. I, uh, is that how you say Hecate? Hecate. I just saw that uh, apparently she's uh, symbolized as like holding torches and keys. Keys. And those keys. Yeah, I guess she's like, and she, I, I didn't know this, but I know, I knew of Hecate. Just did a, a documentary on um, Jofra Boschart, the like master hermetic surrealist who has a really dope painting of Hecate. But nice. uh, apparently, Hecate is the Greek version of uh, Aresh Kigal, or as we all might know, Ishtar, mm. or the Sumerian Inanna, who's uh -oh. like the badass warrior goddess of yeah. the night. Nice, nice. I yes, like yeah. When mm. uh, one one thing to, uh, about Hecate that I recall is uh, she was uh, an Egyptian uh, pharaoh uh, or pharis. 
And when she was in her pharaonic position, she would actually wear a theatrical beard, like a literal, uh, and it had strings <laughs> attached. You can see the strings in the paintings of her. She's not pretending. She's not hiding it. She's not covering up the strings with makeup. She's letting people know that this is the mantle of the pharaoh that I'm wearing. The Harold so she, Yes. So she was actually an open cross-dresser in her time. So that gender swap is uh, is not in occulted or hidden. It's very uh, open when uh, in Hecate's mythology. It's about being hermaphroditic, Yo. though, because you have Baphomet mm -hmm. is both male and female. And my friend today, I was like, well, you know, I don't well, not to be mean, but, you know, the transsexual stuff and all this stuff. I was like, well, if a chick has a dick, I mean, that's I consider that, a, you know, a, you know a trans, you know, I, 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 I was saying I, I was saying that Baphomet was a trans was a, was a tranny. And he's like, <laughs> no, he's homophoretic. And I'm like, well, does he have, you know, a phallus or, you know, uh, an obelisk, if you will, or not? You know what I mean? So that's up for interpretation. You know, what's interesting about that, actually, is that um, so. Astarte, right? Who's Ishtar, who's Anana, who's Ereshkigal, who is Hecate, apparently. Um, she was always a, a female, but it, for a small period in, in history, she was reimagined as a as a male known as Astar, which I get mm -hmm. into in my Lucifer book and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So and, and as you as you may know, if you've heard any of my podcasts or read the book or whatever, you know, Lucifer comes from that Athtar, Astarte, Venus mythology. So it's kind of interesting in a weird technical way. Lucifer was this androgynous force. Mm -hmm. interesting. And also she turned her daughter into a man. Remember, Angelina Jolie let her daughter become from a girl turn into a boy. She's a boy now. And she came out as a boy officially. So in real life, you're talking in real about. in real life. Yes. It's fucked up, but yeah, wait till your next incarnation. Jeez, <laughs> like, five thousand years. I don't have time. <laughs> five thousand years. So, so, so this little clip that I put together. This is a scene from the movie where she gets a, a puzzle box in mm -hmm. her inheritance. Her father's uh, allegedly passed. And she's signing the papers for the inheritance, and there's a little puzzle box. She solves the puzzle box, and this is what comes out. The first letter from my final destination is a riddle for her with this key, and she uh, solves it right away. And I just find it very interesting because the first letter of Angelina Jolie's uh, full name is a 1, 10, 22, uh, A, a J, and a V. That's in ordinal gematria. Well, the same thing goes for uh, the new actress. Her initials are AAV, which is a one, a one, and a two, two. Wow. And when you look at them in all the ciphers, people can pause this and check my work. There are only a few random, very obscure ciphers that they are not uh, in perfect concordance to one another when they fully reduce. It is trippy. You have... Um, yeah. I also want to add to that because it makes you wonder if that's even their real names because we know that these occultic circles, they give themselves magical names. You have Freighter 210, you have Freight, you know, Eopan, whatever, all these different names. So, and they do it in order to satisfy some sort of value, either from Gematria or magically or whatever it is. And we know that all these occultists, 
usually went by some pseudo name or a different, you know what I mean? Like an actor name again, you know, was Francis Bacon actually Francis Bacon or was he William Shakespeare? You know what I mean? Like, was he, was he, is it two and one or, you know, is it two separate people? We don't know because again, they do this sort of thing in order to make their name add up to a certain number that's symbolic to them for whatever they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, so, man. I was just saying we live in this simulation where it's all fractals and numbers and it's all being computed. So the importance of this of these occult rituals and the numerology and symbology is almost like hacking the system and making it work a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I'm um maybe a little less into astrology as I was. You know, I think it's good language to know. I think there's value and I absolutely see how it's being used in these ways to program. You know, so, I mean, if you're, if you have a set system and you've got these numbers, then of course, those people who know about it are going to use it. You mm. know, I mean, there are those of us who are, you know, we're like, oh, we're, we're the good side, we're the light side, and we're looking at these things, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're like, oh, this, this is corresponding. It's like they planned it to correspond. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. So that, that's definitely a big part of this is <clears throat> symbolic literacy and you know, recognizing these patterns that, yes, they're real. Um, and yes, it is programmed. And we can not participate in some of this because we see it. You know, that's, you know, that's why we talk about archetypes. That's why I talk about archetypes. It's important, Is yeah. to, you know, really understand what we're imagining and what we're putting out as people. You know, it goes back to what we're saying at the beginning. That's the magic. Mm-hmm. They're telling you this archetype means this. You know, this fairy tale means that they're telling you what mother is. They're telling you what father is. They're telling you what it's like to be an orphan and a rebel. They're telling you what it is to be a rebel. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, I'm going to go to Hot Topic and buy me some spikes and be a punk. To <laughs> <laughs> be edgy. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm not sure that's how it works, but yeah. it is. <laughs> and to, I love, to, go ahead, Gabe. I just love that part about knowing, reading the terms of the agreement you know, uh, gaining that full disclosure. They're only telling you half the story. You got to meet them halfway to see what's really being said between the lines. And then you can, uh, you know, uh, be savvy enough to make conditional acceptance and be like, okay, I'm watching a Diana film. That's cool. I'm down with Diana. I can appreciate this and that. Uh, but then, uh, but I do not accept that I'm giving any of my louche to the fucking DuPont family or the Bidens, you know, I, I cut ties there. Mm-hmm. yeah i've been practicing yeah. what you said about like if you feel like your mind is wandering off you know stand firm and go you know what this is just for whatever reason that you're looking into this and it's funny that eddie mentioned numbers right in the simulation and i've been noticing a pattern here where uh, as of lately for me all roads lead back to pythagoras who said all is number you know everything is number you have the 33 the 33rd parallel if you trace that all the events all throughout history that have happened, all the weird places around the world that lay along that 33rd parallel, again, 33 being very symbolic for the occult circles, because, again, they, they're all about numbers and symbolism. You know, you have that. And how Rachel was saying, oh, well, may, you know, you can rule it as con, uh, as coincidence, maybe, but I don't believe in coincidences. I think that everything happens for a reason, although... Uh, 
it doesn't always mean anything. But as Carl Jung was talking about, you know, synchronicities, they're there for a reason. They're there for perhaps it is your intuition talking to you. And when you connect the dots of these things, again, it could be confirmation biased, but I like to think that it's not. I like to think that it's this actual a system that they've sort of kind of figured out that they think that they can manipulate. But you know what I mean? We're all cogs in the system type of way. Yeah, man. It's fucked up. But I mean, again, it goes back all all, all roads, bro, lead back to yeah, Pythagoras. Pythagoras. A lot of these alchemists bro. were looking at Pythagorean thought and they were all about that, you know. A lot of the famous people who we attribute a lot of things today. I mean, Paracelsus, you know, we have uh, medicine. A lot of the medicine that we know today, he's the one that came up with dosages. You know what I mean? And today I, I stumbled across, uh, shout out to Thomas, Paranoid American. The etymology behind the word gift is either a gift or poison. And Paracelsus said that it's all about the dosage because you can give somebody morphine to make them feel good how you could also overdose them on that same substance of morphine to kill them. So, and this is a guy who was talking about a homunculi and homunculus trying to bring forth again, this tiny magical man. There were occultists who we, who have had a profound effect on the studies since the beginning of time. Now he will be forever, you know, in stone, you know, inscribed in, in time because because of him, we have dosages and everything else that we know today. That's scary shit because these are the guys behind everything that we use today. The guy who invented binary code with the with the computers that we're on today was an occultist as well. You know, you know I get, I've, I've got a Paracelsus joke. <laughs> do we, do we want to hear it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So he's the, you know, the godfather of holistic medicine. He was, uh, his father castrated him at a very young age. Wow. Because his father, because they lived in a, a nexus village where a lot of travelers would come through. So his father didn't want him to get any venereal diseases or contribute to the trafficking of germ warfare. Uh, so I just like to point out that he's the godfather of holistic medicine or toxicology the, too. Yeah. Right. Or is he the godfather of a whole less dick <laughs> medicine? <laughs> okay. Okay. Like no wild oats here. <laughs> yes. And that, uh, that joke is just a fun and games. So I'm working on it. I'm, 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 I'm uh, honing it down, yeah. but I, I think that Paracelsus is, a major reason why castration is a resounding theme in the medical systems or in the magical systems, mm -hmm. which are parallel to medical systems, mm -hmm. very closely parallel. Science and spirituality. There's a very thin line between that. And I mean, that's what they were, you know, Isaac Newton, Isaac Newton was a mystic. You know, he, he, he was talking yeah. about these things. René Descartes was, was a mystic. They were all mystics. And a lot of these ideas that we have today came to these people in dreams. They came to the to the, in their dreams, you know. I mean, the Cartesian coordinate system was a dream. So it's like, wait, what? What do you mean? Like this crazy abstract idea that came out of nowhere? Yeah, it came to me. I was sleeping. Like, holy shit! If I could write every podcast yeah. episode while I was sleeping, that'd be crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, they're just making this in their sleep. That's wild. Yeah. So if if you're castrated like Paracelsus, 
Does that make you a mystic or does that make you missing a dick? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. That that wordplay, son. That wordplay. Definitely missing. <laughs> so, so I got some more uh, some more slides to share while we're getting weird with it. Yeah, this go ahead. Is, this one is going to get really weird with it. Uh, oh, just now getting weird, Gabe? Just now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, okay. This is weird. Bada boom. Oh, the breasticles. The breasticles. Welcome to the yeah. breasticles. The breasticles so, zone. I was going to make so, a joke, but fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so something, uh, I'm just uh, doing this research. I found some really interesting correspondences. For one, we all, I mean, when I went and saw Angelina Jolie in the theater, I was going because of her wonderful breast uh, gift. Situation. Her, her, <laughs> her breast situation. Her, her bounty, yes. Uh, and I think a lot of people can agree that was, you know, the motivating factor mm. when that movie came out. I know. was a kid. I was a kid, but uh, yeah, same reason. The games yes, had the... The polygon tits where it was like a point like, and, you know, as kids were like, damn, son, like this is this is the shit like hell. Yeah. You know, what I mean, yeah. like that'll never be me. I was I was I was also hyped on, on like just the adventure and treasure and all that kind of stuff, too, though. And I was kind of bummed out, though, later on when I found out that the Illuminati thing was in there. Because yeah. I really liked that movie when I was a kid. I'm from 94. I don't, so that movie came out in 2001. So I was like fifth grade, first grade, uh -huh. or sorry, first grade, second grade, something like that. But I really loved that movie and like Treasure and that whole like vibe of things. Uh -huh. And I rewatched the movie when I was like 22 or something. And I, I was like really stoned, to be honest. I was like just <laughs> lit up a joint, got baked. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm going to rewatch the Tomb Raider. Like that movie was sick, dude. And I'm sitting back and just as the whole thing opens up, it's like the Illuminati. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I start freaking out like, damn. What the yeah. fuck? Yep. And I was like, damn, dude, was I was I conditioned to like want to look into like mysteries and the Illuminati because of this movie? Like that's pretty fucking lame. Yeah, we were, we were talking about that, right? About like were we put on this path on purpose from all the shit that we, you know, ingested as kids? Because I mean, you know, I was talking about Courage the Cowardly Dog, like the first episode six six six, the room six 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 and a half. It's like, is that a joke or is that real? Like, you know, what I mean, like, you know, what's going on? Huh? Yeah. So uh, for me, this this theme just kept coming up. The fact that her chest is so admirable. Uh, it's it's uh, one uh, can say one could say. <laughs> and so it, it turns out that there are incarnations of the divine feminine that are expressed with this uh, this abundance, <laughs> these uh, admirable uh, gems on her chest plate. Um, this is a mantle, you know, all these breasts, these are a mantle passed on from uh, one priestess to the next. But there is a parallel to that in the priesthood of the ephod. And this costume, you guys can see my mouse. Mm -hmm. This guy up above, he's a priest of the ephod. And he also has gems, family jewels, uh, uh, Stones, on his, stones, stones on his chest plate. Yep. And so that the stone system on his chest is actually 12 stones. It represents the 12 bloodlines of Israel. Uh, very ancient, archaic, uh, magical garb. 
encoded here. And so uh, I found that very parallel to Angelina Jolie in her Diana uh, expressions, not only because of her breasts, <laughs> but also because she's always on this parachute. In all of the movies, she, she uh, straps herself in and jumps into a parachute situation and goes parachuting into perilous situations very commonly. And so I started to think, what about this incense burner that the priest has also? Does that not also remind me of uh, Angelina's uh, rack, always uh, swinging to and fro, uh, if you will? So, and now hang in there with me because I think I'm really onto something. Uh, it turns out there's a name for that uh, that magical implement. It's called a thurible. Do you guys remember the thurible? It's like the Catholic Church mm -hmm. that they anoint no. they anoint the altar with a thurible. Okay, yeah. So this is a thurible. It is defined as a container usually covered in which incense is burned, especially during religious services. Hmm. And I just think that is really interesting because it gives out smoke. It billows with smoke. And I, as I, point, I mentioned before, here she is with the clouds behind her, a plume trailing behind her. Even in the comic book down here, she's in the clouds surrounded by clouds and so what i think we're looking at is um kind of signs and symbols indicating uh preparation for ritual or ceremony or an engagement you might even say that like in order for intercourse to happen that the aromas must be checked and confirmed uh so to say, you know, before you get intimate with somebody, you want to make sure it smells right. Kind of if you if you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, you got a drift, bro. You got a draft <laughs> going towards yeah. you, bro. Well, something beautiful that I do see there um, is this idea that some of us have been toying with that the feminine is actually um, etheric and not the earth. The games are much more earthy. You know, everything you're showing with her in the sky and in the movies with her in the sky, that's not exactly how it played. <laughs> you know, you're getting deep and dark into these deep places. You know, if you've ever been caving, it, it feels intense to be down into the earth. So I think it's incredible that they're kind of showing the feminine to be the ether and to be, um, you know, like Sophia. You know, for example, you know, yeah. this, this great heat in the sky. I, I'm, <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to look up. I, I was looking at alchemical manuscripts the, the other day and it had a breakdown of the symbolism. I'm trying to find what the smoke sig uh, symbolized, but I can't find the same article that I had. But again, it goes back to alchemy where every all these alchemical manuscripts they have a meaning behind it. It's not like, hey, you know, in order to invoke this or that, you know, just do one, two, and three. It's like, no, that's why it's a cult. It's hidden. So they're going to, yeah. it's a message. How you, how we said at the beginning of the show, it's a message from me to you, you know, but only me and you know it. 
You know what I mean? Not, yeah. you know, Eddie didn't know about it cause he wasn't here for it. He's not part of the club and it's a big ass club and you ain't part of it. So, you know what mm. I mean? Like that has a lot to do with it too. These, these are just magicians talking to one each other in code. The Rosicrucians had a code that they followed and they said that the King James version was a code that's able to be broken down. The guy who mm -hmm. invented binary code for the computer, Gottfried Wilhelm uh, Leibniz, he was obsessed with Descartes because when Descartes died, he went searching for his old manuscripts and his old notebooks. And he had one notebook in particular that was encrypted. And he copied all this down. This is history. This isn't conspiracy. This is history. He copied everything down because it said that that notebook that he had had the secrets in order to, for whatever knowledge that they were looking for. And again, there were Rosicrucians. We know who the Rosicrucians are and what they're about. So if that, again, it's all about that, that forbidden knowledge type of thing. And these guys are so hungry for it and how Manly P Hall states they're obsessed with their ideologies. You know, these secret societies are obsessed with getting something done. What that is, that's up for interpretation, but it's there nonetheless. Yeah, I like uh, how you brought up Sophia, Rachel. I actually thought about that earlier. I was going to mention when you when you were talking about uh, the chase, the twin mm -hmm. flame chase. And I was kind of thinking, like, did that chase originate with Sophia falling from the source mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. continually we're, all, we're just we're, we're basically seeing the same story played out over and over. And it's it's really just Sophia, the archetype Sophia through all these different branches of the feminine and maybe the source through all the different branches of the androgynous or, or more masculine energy. And then we also have the third party, which is the the occult, which is the, the Demiurge, the uh, Yaldabaoth, you know, who's trying to pull Sophia inward and not allow her to go back to the source. So. Mm -hmm. Kind of just thinking of everything that that uh, Slick has been bringing to us. I'm sure you're going to give us more, but kind of just thinking of it all. Like I'm trying to, I'm, I'm thinking like, what was the purpose, the reasoning behind them putting all of this in the film? I'm sure there are different levels to it. I mean, for one, it was Angelina Jolie's initiation into whatever, and for two, it was for our indoctrination into the ritual, into into symbolism. But I think overall, the story it is uh, Angelina Jolie being uh, is Sophia. But having to go through all these occult, you know, um, illusory variations of herself, like Hecate, you know, Aresh Kigal or, or, or Diana the Huntress, going through these archetypes, almost like uh, these simulations of goddesses to, to forget that she's actually Sophia. Mm. And I, I wanted to add on to that because we know that, again, I mentioned earlier, you have quantum physics and the sciences, right? And spirituality, science, metaphysical and the physical, there's a, there's a thin line be between that. And uh, at the beginning of the show, you weren't here for this, uh, Eddie, but I mentioned about like, do these guys actually think that they get like actual powers from doing all this? Now, if we go back to the hermetic principle as above, so below for the miracle of creation, that's the whole quote. Okay. As above, so below for the miracle of creation. I believe that's how you said that's how Hermes said it. You have to understand that in the double slit experiment where we have the observer effect. So why do they let us watch? Because they know, right, our energy when you observe an atom. So, again, as above, so below. If we look at the atom, if, it, if, if, if an atom acts differently at a molecular level, what's that to say about the macro, us? It's the same thing. Just from observing an atom, you're able to change it. Hence the observer effect. Why does that happen? We don't fucking know. If you figure that out, you'll win a Nobel Peace Prize. But again, they're showing us that by us observing, 
they're going to get different results versus if we didn't observe. So when you observe the atom, it acts differently when you don't observe it. So again, that's maybe perhaps why they let us observe because we're the observer. You can go to a Gnostic mass. It's open to the public. You can observe, be there, you know, give your energy that louche, give it forward. You know what I mean? And this is where all these cathedrals and churches, that's why they're built the way they're built to have that pointed top because that energy goes up, you know, into the ether. Whatever. You have to participate. Like you have to participate for the ritual to, you know, do mm -hmm. its thing. Exactly. To come into fruition and manifest. Exactly. Well, and they're very sneaky about it too. I mean, we know governments will get your consent about a lot of things without you knowing that you're giving your consent away. So what are you consenting to with these, these stories? That this is the same story that you're going to play out. This is, I mean, we're seeing this in so many movies because this is literally the only story they don't. Mm -hmm. When you eliminate, when you have a book burning, when you eliminate all the competition, what are you going to work with? When you suppress other histories, when you suppress other stories, you only have this one. It's, and that's, that's the shadow of this stuff, is that there's only one. Only one thing is correct. It, it takes unity too far. It doesn't really scratch the surface of what union is because of that. Um, so I think that's a big part of it is, you know, this is the only story. And they can look at it. I mean, think of the cosmic diamond. I love the cosmic diamond idea because you can have it. You have the same thing, but you have different facets so they just have a fragment of the cosmic diamond and they're looking at it through all the different facets that they possibly can. What's left? What can we use? What do we have? You know, and so some things you're starting to see some uh, mythologies and cosmologies come back because obviously if we're going to prequels, we have nothing better to write about. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so, but, you know, that's a big I've, thing. I've, yeah, got a great, I've got a great example of that that fractality of the diamond, like looking at the same thing and just twisting our lens ever so slightly and seeing how many meanings can be packed into one, uh, one aspect. Let's see. It's beautiful. The philosopher's stone is multifaceted again, back again to the, and what shapes it is your experiences. So you yeah. can add, a, add that into there. That's the alchemist. So, so she's Diana is known as the chase huntress meaning she doesn't, she's a virgin. Uh, and so I looked into s many variations of that word chaise. So this is chaise, as in like a chaise lounge chair, you're laying back, reclined. And a, sh a chaise is any, vari any of various light horse-drawn vehicles, such as a two-wheeled carriage, for one or two persons with a folding top. So th this is profound to me because she is so often depicted in a chariot. Uh, even when she's dog sledding, she's doing it one-handed in the film. She's uh, so relaxed and comfortable. She's got one hand ready to on that uh, to pull that smoke wagon. So here's here's the uh, chest. Okay, this is the definition of chaste, not having experienced sexual intercourse, virgin, virginal, abstaining from sexual relations that are not sanctioned by certain religious laws or moral principle. Right? We all know these, but this is another fractality of that same title. 
the she's the chaste huntress. She's laying back on a on a uh, chariot. She's also abstaining. Now this is a castrado. This is a person who has been castrated uh, for artistic purposes. Generally, uh, they are uh, singers. They can reach a higher level of octaves. Yeah. Yep. And wouldn't you know, there are very powerful rumors that Angelina Jolie, uh, for the purposes of art, she is an altar for the sake of art. She may be a castrado. So that's very interesting. She's also participated on the casting couch. <laughs> right? Which is much like a chaise chair, laying back in a chariot. Right? In that passive position. Very interesting. And then I had to look this up. She's also very chesty. <laughs> all right. All right. I see. Yo, so that's phenomenal. So that had me thinking, like, when you said earlier with the uh, the, the swinging smoke ornament, I forgot what it's called, and you were saying they're preparing for something, right, something sexual maybe, and it's got me thinking with all the stuff you just said, okay, so, like, if Laura Croft is somewhat like Sophia, right, and the whole movie is her being chased and she's a virgin, apparently, and we're, the whole movie is preparing for a ritual, a commune, a sexual commune. And if we t- think about the Garden of Eden story and how the, the serpent given Adam and Eve knowledge, some people say, was actually um, giving them the power of sex and, and um, you know, uh, reproducing. So I think maybe, and in the movie, she finds out that her dad was a part of the Illuminati mm-hmm. all along. So the ritual, the, the sexual commune, the the uh, climax is, is Sophia's virginity being stolen from her when she realizes that her father representing the source is actually the duality. It's Illuminati. I mean, the person she loved is actually in the Illuminati. So the, the, the sexual act is the revealing of knowledge. Yeah. And the highest truth. I want to add, right, her dad the Illuminati, the illuminated illuminates her way with, you know, he illuminates her way. So again, that uh, Illuminati, right. And also, uh, in the garden of Eden, bro, the snake didn't start talking until she ate the mushroom. So just, just so you can put that in your, that snake is talking to me, dude. Yeah. It's like, I don't see it. Eat this. And then and, it will. And in, in Gnostic cosmology as well, you have, I believe it's Yadabalth where I, I, believe that they rape Sophia too. I'm sorry to get graphic, but I, I believe that there's a part in there where they do rape her. So you have uh, in the, uh-huh. in the movie, she sort of denies the masculine. If you notice in the very first movie, that guy, he was kind of getting close to her. She's like, it's just business or whatever. And then she goes, so she's denying him. And the second one, the kid that she works for at that, at that food place wants to talk to her. And you see his parents like kind of nudging her on like, Hey, talk to her, talk to her. And then she's just like, is there anything else? And he's like, he kind of chickens out and leaves again, denying that, you know, that right to have the, you know, the sexual energies. And I could see where they would relate that in the, where you, where you said that, Eddie, because if, you know, the, the right of, of sexual intercourse, you're reproducing life. So in essence, you're almost like God, you're giving life, you're bringing life forward, tomb raider, womb waiter, you know, it's kind of the same thing where you're bringing forward room life. raiders, the womb raiders. Yeah. <laughs> Getting in your the business. black light. Yep. <laughs> Judging your stuff. Oh gosh. 
So man, fascinating stuff. This is so all from I, the Tomb Raider fucking movie, dude. This is Laura Croft. I dude, mean, this, is, <laughs> this is like the first five minutes, bro. Yeah. Like, damn. <laughs> so, uh, this screen share here, can you guys see this? Am I up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is, Munoz? Yes. This this is her at her inheritance. She's about to sign the papers because they think her dad is dead. She doesn't. She just barely starts to sign them, and she picks up this puzzle. It's a Chinese puzzle, and she starts to solve it. And in the background, you guys see my mouse. Yeah. We have the centaur. And, the and this centaur, is from the first movie or the the new movie. The third, yes. The third, which and is the, the new one. Twenty eighteen yep, actress. Yep. Okay. And the, the centaur is flashed three times as she's solving this. Mm. Um, and the centaur is known to dwell in the center of a puzzle, a riddle, a maze, a labyrinth. Mm. And it is incredibly apropos that she is solving a puzzle, a labyrinth, a maze, a riddle with a centaur in the background because these are all symbols of Sagittarius, which is the bow hunter, is the one who rocks the archery. And so I just thought I would bring all this forward to uh, just indicate how deeply uh, they love to flash signs and symbols uh, to those who can kind of kind of see what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, Sagittarius is also representative of going on journeys, changing philosophy, um, yes. religion, things like that, to, you know. Tying it into there. So, I mean, here she is going to embark on this this great mystery where at the beginning of this movie, she's like, I don't believe any of this. And by the end of the movie, she she does. She believes there's mm-hmm. truth in myth. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, so, something that I came to appreciate in this is how over here, this centaur, he doesn't have any horns on his head, but he does have this maze, this labyrinth, this these crazy wild a tangle of lines and this centaur doesn't have a maze but he does have horns on his head and so it could almost be said that the horns themselves represent the pathways of the labyrinth theoretically right in the same way because Kyrnos represents the earth I mean, he's abundant symbols. I mean, the trees around us are his antlers. So it would be the same as our, um, man, the words are escaping me, the neuro, the neuro links, all of our nervous system, all those, it would be like that, those pathways. As above, so below. That's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we are little tiny cosmos, little logos just running around. We're all little... You know, you have the the Trinity and the atom. You know, you have again. It's all if you understood the pagan said. If you understood man at a at a smaller level, you're able to understand it. You know what goes on in the universe, and I think that's very important to keep in mind. Yeah, so I got a couple more little fun ones to share. Yeah, there's here. probably some like astro theology going on in there too. Yes, totally. And changing oh. our symbols without you know us changing right. them too. You know mm-hmm. that's. Um, I was talking to a cult priestess in one of our uh, weaves, and she was, you know, she was, <laughs> I think she was giving me a hard time 
but um, you can change the costumes of these archetypes, sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's the nuance that makes it important just a name. to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what gives us different cultures. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's worth doing and it's worth noticing when other people do it for you. You know, I mean, Loki is a perfect example in the Marvel Universe because the Loki in the Marvel Universe the isn't horns. necessarily the same as Loki in Norse cosmology. Mm -hmm. Even if they have similarities. You want to share something else, yeah. Gabe? Yeah, man. Let's see. As we approach so, the two-hour mark here, <laughs> this is uh, crazy. Yeah, uh, we should have just watched the movie, bro. Just done like a real time. <laughs> so uh, this symbol gets flashed quite a few times in the third one, the, um, the, the third uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider. This is uh, the. Uh, it's the. Uh, Trucible, it's the trident, it's the three into one, it's the divine trinity. Uh, a lot of goddesses have that uh, threefold aspect. Uh, but uh, also, this is a great example of both and, where it has all those meanings as well as indicating this Isle of Man, the flag on the Isle of Man, which played a central role in the uh, Corona debacle. Uh, some of the politics coming out of this location were very misleading. I won't go into that. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a pressure point. You could think of it as a geomantic pressure point. Uh, and I find it very interesting because the end of this film uh, touches on infectious disease and the possibility that certain people get it and other people don't, that it might be racially oriented. That actually comes up in the film and I can I can uh, pull those receipts as we go forward. but So I start looking into the Isle of Man. And wouldn't you know, the Isle of Man, uh, from what I can tell, it's the perfect location for some fucking uh, most dangerous game, hunting of human beings. They're a sovereign territory. Most laws do not apply. Uh, these people can get away with whatever they want on that location. And would you look at this? The capital is Douglas. Is that the dog, Lass? The, girl, the, the divine feminine who is always recognized by the presence of dogs. Is that the dog lass? Hmm. And look at the name of the people who live there. This is what they call themselves. Man X. And Man X Woman. Plural. Man X Woman. That's what they call themselves there. The X-Men. That's how they identify with mutable X's in their... Uh, we have that that picture I sent you at the initiation in the king's chamber where the dude's on the X. He's being initiated. He's on the X, right? X Men, X Files. Yes. You know what I mean? He's, he's being altered. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking wild. Did you have anything else to add, Gabe? Any more slides that? I, I do. I have one more to add. I just found that I'm going to keep my where whenever I see Douglas from now on, I'm going to think, is that Diana? Are they yeah. talking about the dog glass? Uh, dog so, glass. So uh, the one thing that I found kind of the most provocative about part three was the fact that it did. It turned out that the, uh, the, the dead queen that they were seeking all along, whose name is very similar to Hecate. What was it again, Rachel? Do you remember? The, oh, Himiko? Himiko, thank you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so when they found her, it turns out she was like a carrier. She was carrying a disease. And by uh, disturbing her corpse, they unleashed the disease into the room. And there's this big, you know, just like Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he drinks from the wrong cup and he melts, mm-hmm. all of those ingredients are brought to bear in this culminating scene again. As though to show us that this the scene is the ritual, yeah. and the ritual has certain observances that have to be made. The killing of the ego it could symbolize that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so uh, I put together. Uh, this is a kind of a shoddy. I'll try to zoom in uh, with you know because we can't really just reenact the whole film, but. So th- this is uh, the, I think of her as La Santa Muerta, mm-hmm. the patroness of death. Mm-hmm. And she's all beautiful when they first open it. And then she dissolves into a skeleton. And then uh, she says she was a carrier. And one thing that is really profound and a lot of people might not realize, but this plate on the chest of the corpse, that's an Orphite bowl. That is a bowl that is used in ritual to drink the fluids of uh, certain saints. It's Ugh. generally uh, silver, um, but that is definitely an Orphite bowl that they're flashing. Uh, Hollywood is being quite impeccable with their symbol- symbolism there. Um, and I just put this image of La Santa Muerta to kind of compare uh, it's kind of obvious with when the skull face comes through. And then this guy, he, he says, it's all smoke and mirrors. You know, he dismisses it. He thinks it's all Hollywood, Bollywood. There's nothing to worry about here. There's, there's no ritual uh, happening in your theater as you sit and get louched in your chair. Uh, so the, the white dude behind him, this guy with the gun, he and another fella, the black mercenary who's with him, they both touch the skeleton. But only the white dude has the reaction. Oh, man. And the black dude actually looks at his own hands. He actually checks his hands to be like, why am I not melting? He's like, I'm already black. That's why. <laughs> and, and, and this is a very interesting, very deeply meaningful aspect of that movie. It is to say that it is casting the idea that germ warfare can be racially targeting. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the truth of it. I think that's a misread. I think what it's talking about is that trauma and disease can be inherited mm-hmm. by uh, your cultural exposure to it. So maybe this guy who got sick, maybe he got sick because he was Catholic. Maybe La Santa Muerta has more pull on his bloodlines. Mm-hmm. You see how it's running through his veins? It, oh, has yeah. more, it has more cohesion to what he was raised, the cultural environment that he was raised in. So it, he was a, uh, a potential candidate for the spell to work on him. But the other fella, he wasn't into Santa Muerta. He didn't worship saints. He had the most high. He, he had the... Yeah. That one answer, that one magic. Um, and that's just uh, just a theory that I have. Um, and so then they, uh, the guy, he insists on taking a piece, a sample, the bad guy, 
And here he gets his little scissors out and he cuts the finger. Can you guys see the finger getting cut? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he takes it with him. Um, and that is very interesting because I think what we see, we see an even exchange. One guy loses his hand. And in exchange for the hand that gets infected, he takes a finger from the corpse. So there's a give and a take ritualistically observed. That's very profound. Also, the snipping of the finger is very much, I got to I gotta point out the castration when I see it. It's very much got that castration component going on. Um, but then he takes that, puts it in his pocket, and later on it's his own demise because she pops the pocket in the spring the spores come out and he gets melted just like Raiders of the Lost Ark style. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to add to that. The, there's a, a ceremony that they do. I've had a friend of mine where it's, I, I believe it's peyote and some sort of DMT and they snored it through the finger of a dead monk. Okay. And they, 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 I'm serious. He did it. He's like, I have to do what he was there. And they're like, you have to snort it through the, this is a, a finger of an old monk. And they, it's like a powdered form. I forget what it's not. It's not peyote. It's another one. And anyways, they use it to talk to spirits. And he had to snort it through the finger of a dead monk. The finger. So it's fucked. Mm-hmm. It's your wand. Yeah. Ex- the first yeah. finger is your wand finger. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And the wand can mm-hmm. also signify something else. If you catch, mm-hmm. catch my drift. <laughs> <laughs> well. I don't know, man. Explain it to me. <laughs> Well, that's the, the eight degree solo ride of the OTO is is the solo ride. So, I mean, you can use your imagination, but this has okay, been okay. fascinating, Gabe. I mean, all that we brought up from just this, like how Eddie said, like the first five minutes, it's like, wait, what? Like you can take all that and go down these rabbit holes and just run with it. You know what I mean? So. Uh, was yeah. there any any concluding thoughts that any of you wanted to add? Because I think this this went great, and I think we really deciphered a lot from this movie, and there was a lot to take in from the three movies actually from the franchise. And yeah, anybody want to add some concluding thoughts before we get the fuck out of here? Uh, I just want to say that this is, I mean, Slick, you did a phenomenal job, man. Uh, gonna check your stuff out for sure. Everybody else did a great job too. Um, but it's going to be interesting to, to now like look at movies as they come out with this lens, like never the same. The act, yeah. You know, like I want to, I want to watch the actor's career and like whenever it's a big, uh, an actor's like first big time movie, I think that's when we should be paying attention. Right. Cause Tomb Raider was like Angelina Jolie's like probably first big time, uh, you know, pop, you know, role. So I'm going to start looking at those with like a different lens and see where these people end up, or even maybe try to like predict where where they're going to end up due to like the symbolism of the movie. But uh, yeah, other than that, man, it's it's just wild stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to add, was she in Charlie's angels? No, right. Nah, dude. Uh, Cause that'd be weird if she was an angel in that, you know, Charlie's (laughs) angels in there. Is there anything you wanted to add, uh, Rachel, before we sign off? Um, no, not too much. Um, she was in the Eternals. So I do, you know, I think maybe at the risk of repeating myself, I just be aware of how your narratives create your legacy because that's ultimately what happens. And we can look at all these things, but also just remember to come back to your reality and what your 
going to put forth, however that is. Absolutely. Because I can only imagine the little girls that watch this and wanted to be like Laura Croft and were inspired by her. Because, again, this is what they do. They put these characters up front. Oh, well, Rachel. <laughs> I love that. I love Laura Croft growing up. I thought she was so cool. Absolutely. Gabe, this was amazing, yeah. bro. You wanted to add anything yeah. else? Well, first of all, I'm sorry if I bogarted the mic too much. Oh, bro, absolutely not. Uh, thanks for uh, sitting through with me with what I had to share there. That was really, really awesome. And I'm, I'm, to I'm totally with you, Rachel. Like, you know, I think you and I experienced the two sides of the this coin here where she was a hero of yours and, you know, you find out that she's in some places pulling some strings and some maybe not so noble, honorable ways. It's, it's it, and same thing for me, man. I, I had, a, I mean, didn't we all have a crush on Angelina? I mean, doesn't it kind of go without saying? Yeah, man. It, 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 and it does. It breaks your heart to even think that uh, you were fooled that first time when you went and checked this out and you find out there are things hidden beneath uh, that were not so obvious. So, uh, uh, I guess, you know, the, the beauty of it is, you know, when you kill your heroes, eventually you become the hero. And I think that's the that's the hero's journey that we're all on is, you know, you got to kill your heroes. You got to get over the, you know, what Chance calls the messiah. You know, there ain't nobody coming to save you. There ain't no second coming. You got to rise up. You got you to come out from your three days in the underworld swinging. So, uh that kind of sums it up for me is, you know, uh, I think that uh, when we identify with something, when we attach to it, when we relate to it too much, we make ourselves vulnerable. And so somebody comes along and they tell you that, you know, Donald Trump is a fucking Knights Templar <laughs> Jesuit cocksucker and you get your, get your butt all hurt about it. That's because uh, identity is vulnerability. And the better you can become at detaching to that, identifying with these icons, these false idols, the stronger you become, the more strength you claim. Absolutely. And thus spoke Zarathustra, where Frederick Nietzsche talked about becoming that overman and taking hold of your destiny by the cojones. And, uh, you know, we know that in the in the video game, she had Twin Peaks. And that takes on a whole different meaning, you know, Twin Peaks. You know, she had the that bosom going on there, but this was great. I, I love this. We got to do it again. We went deep. It went a little bit too deep on some parts, but Hey, it's the reality of things. And I appreciate everybody yeah. that showed up and thank you guys for coming. And I got a little four-year-old running around here <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for everybody that showed up in the chat. You guys were great. Thank you, Eddie, for coming. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Gabe. You were amazing as always. All of you were great. I had a great time. And we got to do this again very soon. Right on, y'all. Peace. <laughs> Later, Peace. everybody.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.